Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. To that series. Um, he was basing this out of Hebrews chapter 11, and it's found in that verse right there, Hebrews 1 and 2, faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. It was their faith that made our ancestors, and here's the word, pleasing to God. Pleasing to God. God likes the kind of faith that they exhibited and was shown in Hebrews chapter 11. So during the series, Pastor looked at people that God liked. He looked at Esther, Ruth, Naomi, Enoch, Abel, I got him, Noah and Abraham. I had to cheat. Those, and those are big names. You recognize all those names, right? Bible scholars, okay. Big names, legends, people that you say it and even people that don't go to church recognize some of those names. Abraham and uh, Noah. And these were people that we know as big names, but you have to remember these were ordinary people. They were normal people who simply heard what God said, saw what God wanted them to do, and then they did it. They obeyed. So tonight I'm going to add two more names to this list. And they're two names that may not be all that familiar to you. Ram and Joe. Ram and Joe fearlessly did God's will. Now, I appreciate Pastor Blake when he was leading you in prayer, mentioning the fact that we have to center on God's will, and he didn't know I was, what I was going to do here, but that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to center on God's will tonight, because Ram and Joe fearlessly did God's will. Now, Ram and Joe are different than the other people in the list that we've talked about, because nobody really knows them. Ram and Joe are probably not names you're familiar with, and even if you're familiar with their names, you probably can't place where exactly in Scripture they're located, unless you've cheated and already gone down to the notes tonight. But these are two people that were extremely important, extremely valuable, even though where they were in society was not. They, they were not your A-listers. They were not like top shelf kind of people that we always remember. They were far from it. We don't know a whole lot about them. In fact, what we probably do know is they were born into slavery, which means that obviously they were very poor. They were probably cousins, definitely related. And Joe was may have been a little bit older than Ram. And by the way, Ram is a guy, Joe is a girl. So they were a couple. And they got interested in each other and they married. And of course, back in that time, that they did that. So even though they were related, they married. And soon, Joe got pregnant. And she gave birth to a girl. Several years later, she got pregnant again. And she gave birth to a boy. And then about three-ish years after their second child, she gets pregnant one more time. 
Unfortunately, things have changed quite a bit in the culture. It's gotten worse. Even though, I mean, they're slaves. They are just the worst of the worst, and, but it's even gotten worse than that. Now, I'll, I'll tell you before we get into this tonight, I didn't want to do this. <laughs> I really did not want to go to this verse tonight. Um, but I just kept getting drawn back to it. And in fact, I told Blake earlier this week, I, was, I had something, but I'm leaving it. And I was trying, I was trying the best I could to get away from this. But here we are anyway. And so we're going to look at it. And, and you may look at some of what we talk about, and you may think I'm talking about some stuff over here. I'm not. I'm, gonna, I'm talking exactly about what I'm talking about, which is fearlessly doing God's will. Um, so we have the, the story here in Exodus. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you met, let, may let the girls live. And I kind of wonder if at this point, did Ram and Joe hope they were having a girl? I didn't know. About this time, and about this time means about, sort of like in this whole general time period. It was actually, again, several years earlier, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. If you haven't guessed, that's Ram and Joe. Amram and Yaakovid. But for ease, we're going to call them Ram and Joe. They got married. The woman, Joe, became pregnant and gave birth to a son, she saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Of course, you got it, right? The baby is Moses. And you know his story. He's famous. The sister in the story is Miriam. And you probably know her story too. Their brother, the, the middle child, is not mentioned here, but you probably know him too. That was Aaron. And Miriam and Aaron would eventually help, lead, help Moses lead Egypt across the wilderness to the promised land. But we're not concerned about them. We're concerned about Ram and Joe. Mom and dad. Mom and dad, not named here. You don't see their names. We find their names elsewhere where it tells us what their names were. But if, if you read this about Amram and Yahaved, you would look at this text, and if you looked only at the text in, in Exodus, you might think, well, Joe saw her baby, and she did the thing that moms do. You know, she saw this little baby, and it's like, oh, my little baby boy, and I've got to hide him, and I've got to take care of him. And, and then this story, it only talks about, in Exodus, it only talks about Joe, that she hid the baby, and she got the basket, and she put him in the Nile, and but there's another place where it talks about them, obviously, because we're talking about the people that were talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a little bit more and actually gives us some details that are very important to understanding this whole story. Hebrews 11 
23 says, notice this, it was by faith. You might want to underline that if you got notes. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. Notice, Moses' parents, not just Joe, they saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith. It was faith that involved them both, Ram and Joe. Remember, what we're talking about here in this chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, and all these people that please God is not just ordinary, everyday, walking around kind of faith. It's not just your, you know, being plucky. It's not just keeping your chin up. It's not just keeping a positive attitude when things are bad. It's not just keep calm and carry on. No, this is faith. This is God-given faith. It is a firm, unshakable conviction that God exists, that he exists, and on behalf of his people who follow him, that he will move and he will work and he will reward those that follow him. Right here, it's this kind of faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, that's not just keeping a positive attitude faith. That is believing in a God who works on my behalf. A believing in a God who actually is there and listening to me when I pray. So what was it about Ram and Joe's faith that would cause them to do what they did? It was faith, and we're going to look at three things. We're going to keep this simple. Three things tonight. You only got three blanks to fill out. Three qualities of their faith. And the first is this, and I think it's pretty obvious. It was a fearless faith. It was a fearless faith. Not just a courageous faith. It was a fearless faith. It says, you look at your notes there, they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Listen, if they were found out, they were probably going to die. If they were found out, probably, most definitely, the baby's going to die. Probably them, probably their other kids too. On the surface, you look at it and you go, that's a big risk you're taking there, people. And if the risk had simply been because of their desires, if it had simply been because of what they wanted, if it had simply been because what they wished or what they wanted to see happen just because they felt something for this baby, then it would have been a foolish, foolish risk. I want you to let that sink in a second. Because some of you may say, wait a minute. Are you saying killing a baby would have been wise and 
saving the baby would have been foolish? That's not my opinion. That is a common opinion, though, isn't it? What I am saying is that they were risking all five of them for a baby. Now, probably everybody in this room would do that. But if you don't have a view on what's ahead and what God's will is, and that there is a God, I'm not so sure. See, but here's the thing. Hiding Moses, hiding the baby was not their desire. They may have wanted to, but really the reason they hid the baby was not because they desired it. It was because it was God's desire. It was God's desire. God had given them an unusual child. They could see it. How could they see it? By faith. They saw it by faith. They saw that God, who was present, who was active, who was there, had given them this baby. Even when they were in slavery. They had faith in God who rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now get this. God placed this faith in them. This is not something they generated. This, this, is, this wasn't a self-generated, self-motivating, self-centered kind of faith. Ram and Joe were not saying no Pharaoh can tell me what to do. Well, I'm not going to live by Pharaoh's standards. I'm an Israelite. Bless God. I'll do what I want to do. No, that's not what they were doing. It's not what they were doing. They were fulfilling and sure of God's will, and they were acting according to God's will. Secondly, it was practical faith. It was practical faith. Because hear me, faith is not foolish. Faith is not unreasonable. I, I've said this repeatedly lately because people have brought it up. You know, do, do I believe in God's protection? What, what's the matter, Pastor Tim? Don't do you have faith? Don't you have faith in God's care? Don't you have faith that God's going to take care of you? Don't you care that he's going to, that he's in charge of healing, he's in charge of wholeness, that he can withstand anything? Shouldn't you just, you know, go and, don't you trust that God is going to order your steps and he's going to take care of you if you just, you know, step out and, quote unquote, faith? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I look both ways before I cross the street. And I put my seatbelt on when I'm driving a car. And I look before I pull into traffic and I stop at red lights and I don't exceed the speed limit. Some of you, okay. Why? Because faith is reasonable. Faith is practical. And there are voices that will tell you, well, if you really had faith, if, if you really 
had faith, if you really believed God and trusted him, there are voices that will tell you that, and those voices to me sound a lot like this voice. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And Ram and Joe were not testing God. They were obeying God. They... They were obeying God's will. They believed that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And they hid the baby. They were practical. They didn't say, we're not going to do this. And I got a baby. No, they hid the baby. Very practical. Hid the baby for three months so that the baby could get a little stronger. Now, notice what... Pharaoh had said, you got to throw the newborns into the river. So, okay, well, three months is kind of still a newborn. And so they did, in fact, throw the baby into the river. If you read the story there, they threw the baby into the river. He was just a little healthier and stronger when they did it. And, you know, when... Pharaoh said to throw the babies into the water. Did he really say how hard you had to throw them? I mean, I mean, did he throw the babies into the, or did, you know, let's throw the babies into the water. And if you throw the baby into the water, nothing to say that you can't put them in something before you throw them in the water. So let's make a waterproof basket and put him in, and then we'll throw him into the water. And you know, he says throw him into the river. That doesn't necessarily mean the middle of the river. There's like shallows over here and reeds, and we can throw him. He's still in the river. And you know, if we throw him into the river in a waterproof basket and the shallows and the reeds over here, we could probably get his sister to stand and watch and just see what happens. So they did. Practical. Reasonable. Still obeying what God wanted them to do, which was not to kill the baby. Don't miss it. You can read a lot into this story that we don't know a lot about this story, but I think one thing when you read this story, I can say for sure is that Ram and Joe had no idea how it was going to turn out. They, they were practical, and they took practical steps, but there was no way they knew what was going to happen. This is what happened. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. Now, did they know that the daughter was going to be there? Maybe, maybe they had seen her there before. Okay, maybe. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slaves to get it. Now, did they know that? Well, probably, maybe they could. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. 
did they know that? No, they did not. How were they going to know? This is Pharaoh's, this is the guy who said, kill the babies. It's his daughter. Probably the one person they didn't want to pick up the basket. If they knew that Pharaoh's daughter, somebody actually related to Pharaoh, were going to come along and pick up the basket, they probably would not have put it there. Let's, let's put it where some other poor person who likes poor babies would pick up. I don't know. But this is what happened. And she said, this is one of the Hebrew babies. Uh-oh. Did they know she was going to say that? Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, clever girl, clever, did they know that their little probably seven-year-old was going to be this on top of it, said, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, she answered. They had no idea. So the girl went, clever girl, went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, this is the best part right here. If you're a mom, this is the best part of the story. She said to her, Pharaoh's daughter said to the mom, take this baby and nurse him for me. Now realize, nursing now is like nine months, you know, a year or so. That's nurse. This meant like nurse him, be a nursemaid to him till probably he's 12. So this is going to be a long-term thing. Nurse him for me, best part, and I will pay you. How many moms have had their little rugrats running around and you said, man, if somebody would just pay me for this, right? Which they, she got paid. Talk about miracles. That's it right there. She gives her baby, she gets paid for this. It's awesome. So the woman took the baby, Joe, took the baby and nursed him. And that's not it. That's not all. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now, how does that happen? How does that happen that suddenly he's Pharaoh's grandson? This was not orchestrated by Ram and Joe. This was orchestrated by God. But Ram and Joe took practical steps that God was going to use to accomplish his purposes. Listen, often we want God to take responsibility to respond to his ability to do supernatural things. And he says, no, you respond to your ability to do natural things. And then I will respond to my ability to do supernatural things. And often we're sitting there waiting for God, and he says, take some practical steps. Move in faith. Obey my will. And we want to see the grand and the supernatural and flames of fire and all this. Nope. You take care of what you have to do. Moses' parents didn't know what was going to happen, but they had hope. Their hope said that there is a preferred future for them. Their hope said there's a preferred future for that baby. And what we don't always understand is about hope is that hope in the future provides a better vision for the present. 
Faith that is fueled by hope becomes faith that acts in the present. And a lot of times we're not acting in the present because we don't have hope for the future. And we sit and we say, oh my, uh, okay. Get a clear vision of the future and you're going to act right now. Here's what I know about the future. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. That's not, that's not salvation. This is great white throne judgment here if you want some technical terminology. You know, we will get to heaven based solely on the grace of God, but when we get the, there, we're going to stand in judgment before the judgment seat of Christ, and Christ is going to say, okay, what'd you do with what I gave you? Did you obey in faith with the time that you had? See, if I don't believe this, if I don't have hope for the future, then it doesn't matter what I do right now. But if I hope that Jesus is coming soon, if I truly hope that he is right around the corner, that these are the last days and at any moment we could be caught up together with all the saints and we could be standing there before the judgment seat. If I believe that, if I am truly convinced of that, then I'm going to give account for what I do now. My focus now is going to be that much clearer and that much better. Doing the will of God requires that we understand the importance of the present with the view of the future. Ram and Joe saw God's will by faith. Ram and Joe then practically moved out and worked out his will and responded to it. And, and then they were given this time to raise their baby. They were given 12 years where they could raise this child and by the time he turned him over to his grandfather, and he was told that he's the grandfather, that his grandfather is Pharaoh, and his mom is Pharaoh's daughter. By the time that happens, he understands he's much more than that. He understands who he truly is. He understands what he's truly about, and that'll show up later. But this isn't really about him. It's about them. And see, what Ram and Joe didn't realize, what they couldn't possibly have understood, was the outcome of their actions. And that they had a faith that was God-partnering. Pastor Goss spoke last week in Galatians. He ended a series on Galatians, and he talked about sowing and reaping. And this is this again. When you partner with God and you sow, and then he causes increase and you reap. But you've got to do your part. See, there's only one will that can be done in God's presence, and it's not yours. It's not the world's. It's not anybody. There's only one will that can be done in God's presence, and that's God's. But if you choose his will, then it doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. It doesn't matter if you're a slave and nobody knows your name. It doesn't matter any of that. It doesn't matter if you have a title. It doesn't matter how the world treats you because... If you begin with the end in mind, then do you know that there's a day coming when we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll be judged? And then we can move 
fearless in faith, and on that day know that there's going to be a good reward. There's this verse right here. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Let me tell you what this confidence is about. Have you ever, have you ever been left at home when you were a little kid by your parents? Like I was 12, I remember being 12, my parents were going out, leave you alone. It's, you know, it's a good age, especially when you live out in the sticks and nobody's around. But when they leave, you remember when your parents leave and they say, here's what I want you to do. And they look at you and they look at your sister and they say, okay, you, you need to do this, this, and this. And you, you need to do this, this, and this. And it's all good because they leave and then it's the house to yourself, woo, free, you can do what I want, except they're coming back. And shame is hearing the keys in the door and you haven't done what you're supposed to do. And confidence is sitting by the door knowing that you have done everything that you're supposed to do and you even did a little bit extra that they weren't expecting because you knew they wanted it done too. And so you just kept at it and you were so excited when they came in the door because they were going to see it they were going to go, good job, good job. That's that kind of confidence. We want to be there waiting expectantly for him to return, knowing that we have done everything now that we were supposed to do. You could waste your time now, but don't. Some, some have, and I got to finish because I'm out of time. Some have uh, be stopped doing God's will. And I want you to hear me. There's two groups that are, are really important to me tonight. Some of you have stopped doing God's will because you said, I'm done. I'm done. I did the thing, and now I'm done. Let's let the kids do it. I'm out. Now, you may have done the big thing, but there are still things to do that, that God has in mind for you to do, and you know it. You know it. You say, ah, I'm too tired. Work until he comes so that you can have confidence. And there are some of you that haven't started to do it because you're waiting. You're waiting for some reason. You're waiting. You're thinking that there's a prerequisite. Like there's something I need. There's something I have to have. I, I have to have more knowledge. I have to have more respect. I have to have more time. I have to have this and that. And it's when, when dad comes home, it's not going to matter what your excuses were. He's going to say, I gave you the time that you had. Did you use it? Well, I, I wasn't ready. There was COVID going on. And, uh, okay. I really wonder how many church people are sitting around right now and they feel like they have no purpose because the only way that they felt like they were fulfilling God's will was passing an offering bucket. And now you can't pass an offering bucket, so I must not have anything to do in God's kingdom. No, no. God has will for you. He has things for you to do. You need to listen, and he will put that into you. And probably the greatest struggle we have is we want to see God's will. You know, if God would just show me what to do, then I would do it. But his will is only seen by faith. It has to be obeyed before you're going to see it. You have to obey him before you're going to see what he's got next for you to do. Our faith in the future is going to increase 
when God gives us more faith. It's not up to you to have more faith. It's God will fill you with more faith. I got a couple more verses here. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. It happens after you do it. Evil people don't understand justice, but those who follow the Lord understand completely. How do we understand? By obeying, by fulfilling his will. I want to see it first. Well, that's not faith. (laughs) Do what you know he's called you to do. The world places all reward in the present, but rewards in the future. Working is in the present so that we can receive the reward. Now, now in this present time, Ram and Joe chose to partner with God and God used these slaves to free a nation. What's he going to do with you? Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word that you have poured faith into our hearts so that we, we might work till you come. Lord, I ask that we would diligently pursue your purposes, that we would diligently do what you called us to do in every area and avenue that you lead us. Lord, that we would be found faithful, and that when you return, when you come again, we will be hard at work, and then we will celebrate around your throne. Lord, we thank you and love you, We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You said amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.